Hey, thanks for checking out this week's Staff Meeting Devo. This week, we were joined by our Wolka school staff as Pastor Tom brought a Devo to start out the school year. Let's check it out. I want to share um, with us this morning, I hope this is helpful, um, and I believe there's something in this that is good for us. And so just to give you a heads up right from the get-go, the title of this, and if you're uh, taking notes, I suggest get your phone out, tap some of this stuff down. I believe it's going to be helpful. But the title is The Blessing in the Boring. The Blessing in the Boring. And a verse that kind of springboard this thought for me was uh, Galatians 6, 7. A lot of you all know this one well. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. What are we planting? Because that will determine what we harvest in our lives. So I'm going to apologize right now. I'm, I'm going to mix metaphors. So Paul, he's writing about planting and harvesting, and I'm going to apply the same principle to building. So, uh, you know, I've got five bricks, if you will, that will determine the life that we are building. So you will reap what you harvest. And I'm going to just look at five boring bricks that I believe will bring unity and peace. Unity and peace. And I also believe that this is not specific to ministry. It's not specific to church. I believe that the things I'm going to look at here, you apply this to any area of life. It will increase, it will compound the level of peace, the level of unity that you and I will experience. So I've got five boring bricks that build peace and unity. Everyone feeling okay? Okay, because I believe that if we get the boring things right, it will lead to peace and unity. Boring thing number one. This is not going to blow anyone's mind, I promise. Number one, tell the truth. Tell the truth. One of the things that we all have in common, every person, everywhere, ever, we all hate being lied to. There's not a single exception to this. You will never meet someone that enjoys being deceived. It's just not there. I remember when um, the kids were a lot younger. This is when we lived in Montana. So Moses was about 18 months old. And I came up and Moses, little baby Moses, he was just sat and next to him was a pile of Crayola crayon wrappers. No crayons, just the wrappers. So I said, Mo, did you eat the crayons? No. Are you sure? No. Where are the crayons? I owe. Oh, oh. And Megan will attest that is how he used to talk as a baby. I found out the next day when I changed his diaper, that kid was lying to me. Now, when I've told that story in youth group before, I've gone into more details, but I won't do that here because we're all grown-ups. But that kid was full of it. But it doesn't matter whether it's a toddler lying about eating crayons or whether it's an elected official lying about a national scandal. We hate being lied to, that feeling of being deceived. There is nothing that will break trust quicker than finding out we have been lied to. Nothing. And in all honesty, the scale of the lie is really insignificant. Because I think we all understand that we've all been hurt enough and often enough to know that if someone is willing to lie about one thing, there's every possibility they're willing to lie about just about anything. And so as soon as we catch someone in a lie, it instantly destroys trust. And the whole point of these boring building blocks is that we're building peace, we're building unity, that that's the environment that we're creating here at the church. And this whole idea that if if we're catching people in half-truths, we're catching people in lies and excuses and all the rest of it, it absolutely destroys trust. There's no way for peace and unity to grow where there is a lack of trust because people have been caught not sharing the truth. Now, we all know God's view on telling the truth because we all know the Ten Commandments. But it's not as shallow as God doesn't want us to cover our tracks when we do something we shouldn't do. It's not as shallow as God doesn't want us making excuses. This, I believe, shows God's heart for people. 
He doesn't want us deceiving each other. He doesn't want us to live in distrust with one another, which is the inevitable consequence of catching people in lies. When people are lied to, it destroys relationships. One of my favorite quotes is, tell the truth and live a life that makes it easy to tell the truth. Tell the truth and live a life that makes it easy to tell the truth. It's a lot easier to tell the truth when you don't have anything to lie about. So first thing, first boring block, brick. Tell the truth. Second one, refuse to gossip. Uh, there's a bunch of Proverbs I could have pulled out. I got a couple to share. The first one, Proverbs 25, 9. When arguing with your neighbor, don't betray another person's secret. Others may accuse you of gossip, and you will never regain your good reputation. Unfortunately, gossip is something where people oftentimes have an extreme lack of self-awareness. And oftentimes we see this when um, people will try and relabel gossip as something else. They'll call it venting or outwardly processing, um, filling you in, updating, or every pastor's personal favorite, I just have a prayer request. <laughs> I honestly think, I really do believe this, you know, years of working with people in this way, I honestly think that oftentimes people don't realize they're gossiping. It's just become a second nature for people just to talk trash about people when they are not in the room. This lack of self-awareness. Two problems that are obvious to see. First thing is that it demeans the other person's character. It demeans the other person's character. We pull other people down, and the people hearing can't unhear that. It drags people down. The second thing, which is what we got from the proverb I just read, it destroys your reputation as the gossiper. If you've got a reputation as a gossiper, that will stick with you. That is a reputation that is very, very difficult to get back. Once you have a reputation of being a big mouth, of being a busybody, of getting your nose in place it doesn't, shouldn't be, you can't keep a secret, you have no discretion, you fan the flames, all that stuff, that's a difficult reputation to get back. So yes, it drags down other people. That's terrible. It's awful. But also, it completely damages your own reputation if we get ourselves involved in gossip. So when people, we naturally drift towards us to have a grumble, or they naturally drift towards us to complain about somebody, it's time to be concerned. Why are people thinking I'm a good person to gravitate to if I want to have a gossip sesh, if I want to talk poorly about somebody, if I want to destroy someone's character, I want to slander somebody? Why would somebody feel comfortable coming to me? If that's happening, that is something that should help bring that awareness of, okay, why have I become a safe place for gossip? A simple rule is that when talking about someone that's not there, is this a conversation, a building block, or a log in the fire? Is this conversation a building block or a log in the fire? From 1 Thessalonians, so encourage each other and build each other up, just as you're already doing. If we're talking about someone that's not in the room, are we building each other up? Is that the, the motive of the conversation? Or is it this proverb, 26 verse 20, fire goes out without wood and quarrels disappear when gossip starts. Is our conversation about someone that's not in the room in a moment of honesty, is this to build them up? Or is this just a log on the fire that gossip causes? Third thing, everyone doing okay so far? Third thing, brick number three, take responsibility. Boring brick number three, take responsibility. I'm uh, reading a book right now, and the author, he makes the case that a job title or a position isn't the full story about leadership, but rather, who's willing to take responsibility? You know, job titles come and go, positions come and go, but who's the person willing to take responsibility for how this is going? Now, we're all trusted with something in life. Adam was trusted to tend to the garden. Jesus told a parable of three servants giving bags of money to invest. We all have something. As life goes on, the list of things we're responsible for changes. 
20 years ago, I had to pay rent and get to work on time. And I successfully paid rent to mom and dad, and I got to McDonald's on time. <laughs> now, life looks a little different than that. I'm sure that every one of us can relate. Dial back 20 years, life looks a lot different, except for Mike Chiz, who's ancient. The list of responsibility <laughs> may change over time. The clearest way this is observable is when you go from renting a place to live to owning a place to live. When Megan and I, we were renting and something broke and we could call the landlord and they came out and fixed it, it was great. The first house we bought, I don't know what happened, but it's almost like the, the house knew the guy was gonna sell and was like, okay, we just gotta hold on until he moves out and then we're gonna completely mess up the new people. That's exactly what happened. Within the first year, the water heater went. Um, we had to replace the roof. It was a bunch of other stuff. Even the spigot to turn the outside hose on broke within the first year. So I had to watch a YouTube video on how to replace an outside spigot. Everything went wrong. And it was this wake-up call of like, when we were renting, this was so much easier. The responsibility was just pay rent on time. Then we had a house. Then we need to take care of it. And we need to like figure out how to Google plumbers. It was complex. But what's ours to be responsible for? What's ours to be responsible for? With the season of life that you're in right now, today, what are you responsible for? Because taking responsibility, it's boring, it's not exciting, this is not the kind of stuff that people get all excited about, but this is the kind of stuff that will build peace and unity in your life. Taking responsibility of what's yours to be responsible for. Because when we don't, someone else has to pick up the slack. When we don't take responsibility for what's ours to be responsible for, someone else has to pick up the slack. And that does nothing to build peace. It does nothing to build unity. When other people feel that you are being irresponsible and they have to step up and they have to do work that you should be doing, that you're asked to do, you're required to do, that's reasonable to expect you to do, that does not build unity. That builds distrust, that builds contempt, and that is not the environment that we are building. Can I get a big amen? Yeah. Fourth thing, live with optimism. Live with optimism. And I wanna point out before I dig into this a little more, there's a difference between um, being realistic and being pessimistic. Oftentimes, people that are pessimistic and negative, it'll be justified because, well, I'm just realistic. Being realistic really is talking about how you're assessing things today. Being negative and pessimistic is about how you see the future. Realistic is an accurate diagnosis of what is happening today. How are things as of this moment? This is what it is. Being in denial about how awful it is today is not optimistic. That's just denial. Realistic is this is how it is today. Then we need to start figuring out how we're gonna project into the future. Um, just recently, she's gonna be mad that I told you this, but Megan broke her toe. And if we went to two different doctors, this didn't happen, but if we went to two different doctors and one said, Mrs. Wood, we can get you in a boot for a few weeks and then you'll be fine. And then another doctor said, Mrs. Wood, you will never dance again. Which doctor are we picking? Which doctor are we picking? Absolutely. We're not picking the guy that says she's never gonna dance again. The kids would be devastated. <laughs> On another note, dance parties in our house are awesome. But it's not unrealistic. It's not denying the reality to be optimistic. It is looking, okay, this is how it is today, but we can forge ahead with optimism, with hope, with positivity. Now, pessimism, it comes out noticeably in three different times. It's probably more if I thought about it, but three different times. Now, it's awesome when it works out like this. They all begin with C. 
preachers around the world are always glad when it turns out what it's like the same letter every time. So it's really cool. I was pretty happy about this. First thing, crisis. Pessimism comes out in crisis. Something unexpected, something out of the blue, something that has thrown everything through a loop. Those of you who are part of the school last year, you remember the fire alarm going off. That was an afternoon. <laughs> crisis. Pessimism comes out to play. The second thing is change. Change. Anytime an organization is growing, there will be change. And pessimism will come out to play. The third thing is conflict. Pessimism comes out, it's noticeable, it's observed in crisis, change, and conflict. Now, optimism is in step with hope. Hope keeps us full of faith for the future. I've met a lot of negative people, and I've met a lot of positive people. I can say conclusively that I've never known a negative person lift a situation. I have never experienced a negative person step into a crisis and start improving things. I wouldn't choose a negative person to help implement change. Resolving conflict requires hope that we can move beyond whatever is causing the conflict. Being positive, being optimistic, it's not superficial, it's not denying reality. Instead, it is letting hope drive our view of the future instead of pessimism and negativity. Fifth thing, fifth boring brick, be consistent. Be consistent. Now, of course, we have good days, we have bad days. Moods may fluctuate, but does our character vary? Do our principles vary? Does our work ethic change day to day? I think that being consistent is an underrated quality. If there's a strong level of consistency in principles and temperament, it creates a stronger work environment. I worked with someone in a church once and their character adjusted with their stress levels. When they were stressed, the pressure that they placed on their direct reports was crazy, it was through the roof. In the same way, if they were stressed and they were under pressure, they would lie and bend the truth and manipulate. For those that were in direct relationship with this leader, it made it extremely difficult because it was unpredictable. Everything changed based on the wind. Everything changed based day to day. Value and consistency of character, consistency of values, it builds a level of predictability and consequently trust. When people come to see you, they know what they're going to get. The verse that I had about this is from 1 John chapter 4. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. It's a strange way to kind of have this verse apply, but greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world because he that is in you is consistent. He that is in the world means being swayed circumstances day to day. But he that's in us is greater. What's out there changes. It varies. Consistency is all over the place. Some days it's up, some days it's down. It's inconsistent. But he that is in us is consistent. And if that's where we're drawing our values, our temperament, our, uh, our commitment, our principles, if that's where it's coming from, if it's rooted in our relationship with God, then that will bring a level of consistency that is completely absent if we're being influenced by what's happening out here somewhere. Then we're just susceptible being swayed by day to day. Whatever's going on out there, that's how we're just. But if we're rooted in our relationship with God, then a level of consistency comes. It's an underrated quality to have a strong character, the consistent wherever we go and whoever we are with. What I would say all of this, what I believe is true for any single one of us, whatever position we hold, whatever uh, arena of life we find ourselves in, is be a joy to work with. Be a joy to work with. Build a trusting environment by telling the truth, by refusing to gossip. Support each other. Create the kind of place where hope is given and shared. Instead of negativity being the loudest voice, let's have positivity and let's have optimism and faith and hope being the loudest voice. 
Let's create a place where peace and joy is valued. And the ultimate question that I put to people often is, if everyone did what you're doing, are things getting better or worse? If everyone did what you are doing, are things getting better or worse? If everyone talked the way you talk, are things getting better or worse? If everyone worked the way you work, are things getting better or worse? If everyone treated their coworkers the way you treat your coworkers, are things getting better or worse? And the list goes on and on. If everyone did what you're doing, are things getting better or worse? And I would say it is 100% guarantee that if we all told the truth, refused to gossip, took responsibility, lived with optimism, and acted consistently, things would inevitably get better. To prove the point, consider the opposite. Consider the opposite. What if, instead of living in truth and refusing to gossip and taking responsibility and having optimism and acting consistently, what if this place was filled with lies, gossip, irresponsibility, negativity, and unpredictability? Nobody would want to be described that way. Nobody wants their workplace to be described that way. That doesn't create the environment that we want to work in. So let's take the responsibility of making it go a different way. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Lord, we love you. We trust you. We believe you're building an environment here at the church that is honoring to you, that is pleasing to you, that puts others first, that puts you first. And Lord, I just pray that uh, whoever's listening to this, Lord, whatever uh, arena they find themselves in, whatever place in life that you've placed them, that they would take this and they would see peace and they would see unity increase wherever they may be. Lord, we love you. We trust you in your incredible name. Amen. Amen.